The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. back to the short game this is a show about short video games games that respect your time i'm reagan kelly and i'm joined this week by one of my very cool co-hosts plus an exciting guest laura dash and this is jordan starkweather and jordan thank you so much for coming on the show uh we're talking about game boy games this week and so jordan is a perfect guest because uh, jordan is the host of the pocketoid podcast a podcast about short excuse me not about short video games that's our thing sorry not your thing you can't have that <laughs> It's uh, it's, it's about uh, it's about pocket video, portable video Short is ours, small is his. Yeah, no, you exactly. Yeah, short, well, short in terms of height, right? Like if you were to put them on the mm-hmm. ground, your games yes. are probably shorter than many of ours. Yeah, um, they are the tiniest games imaginable. I mean, yeah. DS cartridges. I think those are probably even Switch cartridges. Very small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also, of course, uh, Jordan is the proprietor of the CRT Pixels uh, Twitter account, which if you haven't spotted that, I'll have a link to it in the show notes, and we may talk about it at various points, but it's awesome. It's a great uh, Twitter account for showing video games both on modern displays and also on the displays they were meant for. It's a really cool project that he's been doing. So thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us on the show. Absolutely. It's good to be here. Uh, you guys are one of my favorite podcasts, so this is kind of surreal to hear you say that we are one of your favorite podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> the podcasting universe is smaller than you might think, so it's, uh, it's a good good synergy here. Uh, let's let's talk about Game Boy games. I love Game yeah. Boys. Um, so we, we kind of thought we'd start this episode by talking a little bit about our personal histories with the Game Boy. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan, do you want to kick us off? Tell tell us about you know Game Boys and yeah, Game Boys in your life, Game Boys and you. Absolutely. So uh, the Game Boy was actually my very first video game. Anything I actually have the this is the one that I got. This green Game Boy Pocket was my first video game console ever, uh, and the and I got it in the late nineties. And you know, at the time, I was probably like. 10 or 11 had no idea that it had already been around for, you know, so many years, you know, this was basically outdated and old by that point. Um, but my friend had one and I just knew that I wanted one and boom, I got one. And, uh, it kind of just set me, you know, personally down the path of like getting into video games. So it's always been very important for me in that regard. Um, but I honestly was never much of like a huge game boy, original game boy enthusiast. I mean, I loved Pokemon, like most folks from our generation and all that. Um, but it wasn't until I guess I got, you know, uh, I got older to where something about, how do I say this? So I'm, I'm a big like design guy, like things that are well-designed are just very satisfying to me. And there was a point last year where I found a Game Boy cartridge. It was a Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario Land 2. And I just held it in my hand and I was like, God, this thing is so well designed. <laughs> I want more. I want more of these. These feel this feels good to hold. And suddenly it just set me down this path of just like I kind of just went wild over the last year collecting for the Game Boy and discovering uh really what an amazing community this little console has of just like um modders and enthusiasts and collectors. 
Um, and it's also not like a crazy expensive console to collect for. And I, you know, I've always been into retro game collecting, but the market has just gone bonkers in the last decade yeah. to where it's just not even feasible anymore. Um, but Game Boy games are still relatively affordable. You can still find tons of stuff out there for five, ten dollars, no problem. Uh, and so it was a it was really fun to kind of get back into retro collecting. And it's just been a very, I don't know, any year that's been really hard and big and scary it's been very nice to be playing games that are small and comfortable and simple all over again uh and it just kind of i think it fits this show really well because it's like the console of short games most of the games for it are just a couple hours long and so uh when you when you approached me about coming on to talk about the game boy i was like oh yeah that makes so much sense that sounds awesome yeah it makes me feel a little bit silly that we never thought to cover this as a as sort of a general topic before but like yeah i've i've had a pretty long history with the game boy too um it was not my first console my first console was actually the game gear and i was a sega kid uh, and so having a Game Boy was something that didn't didn't really happen in my life until, I don't know, whenever Pokemon was pretty big. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that was really late in the Game Boy's life. Um, but like before that, I wouldn't have been caught dead with a Game Boy because I thought those were <laughs> you know, that all Nintendo was for babies. Uh, but but actually, when I was thinking back on it, I was like, there it is. Let's I mean, be of course, it really like it, it's called the, the Game Boy for little. That's boys, why I, that's right? why, that's why I love it. Boys. Actually. Hold on. Do you know why it was called the Game Boy? Can I give you a piece of trivia? Please. I do, but I want... Yes, but you're the guest. So, so it was... Okay. All right. Well, I don't want to... <laughs> well, now he's not gonna, like, Laura. Now he's crap. not gonna. Now it sounded like that bit in Scott Pilgrim where he's like, did you know that Pac-Man was called... That's like a running joke that we have on our show is like, did you know that Pac-Man was originally called Puck-Man in Japan? Anytime one of us brings up a stupid like no, video game fact... This is perfect because I only know because I know... A secondary anecdote. So you tell yours first, and then I'll sound smart telling mine, and we'll both look good. This is how podcasts <laughs> well, work, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really just because the Sony Walkman was popular, I guess, and they were like Sony Walkman, Walkman, Game Boy. <laughs> that's really all. That's really the story, <laughs> I guess. Apparently, those are both um, honestly it, terrible names. I've never really understood why either of them went for that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, the story I heard was so when they needed to introduce in America, they come to the head of marketing, and he they're like called the Game Boy and he's like not a huge fan of the name because I want to try to introduce it to all markets Game Boy is kind of a sexist name he says now he said it was a sexist name do I think he actually said that in 1989 no way no no, no. for him at the time it was probably a dollar signs thing but now right? he's like I thought it was sexist um, but he said it if we're trying to sell it to all ages this is a bad name and it kind of sounds Japanese and then the people in Japan were like cool not changing the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've already printed the packaging. It does sound very Japanese now. That so I think they'd about already it. printed the name Game Boy on the plastic. Oh and yeah, so yeah they it's were on like, the console. So we're well. not changing it. The pla- it's already printed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tough. It, I don't know. It, it works for some reason, though. It's like yeah. you I just did, you didn't hurt it. <laughs> no, you yeah. kind of get the you kind of get the gist. Is like what I, I mean. I got it when I was a kid, and I didn't think. I was just like, oh, it's a little guy that plays games. Boom. Like, makes sense, I guess. But mm-hmm. So I, I, I did think it was going to be... I did think the Nintendo Game Boy was this console for babies. But I was thinking back on, like, my history with Game Boy games. And it that actually goes a lot, back, a lot further back than my history with the console. Because mm. there was a time in... in and, Laura, Laura may remember this uh, because Laura and I go back a long ways too. But there was a time in yes. middle school 
where, so I, this takes a little bit of setup. My middle school was this sort of weird magnet school that had this enormous grant from Compaq where literally every classroom had like 30 Compaq computers in it. Whoa. Um, and they built the school and Compaq was like, we are Houston. We will give you all computers and then we will the middle schoolers will immediately break them. Right, right. And so every <laughs> every room had like wall to wall, those little like compact all-in-ones that were running, I think Windows 3.1. They may have upgraded them to like 95 while I was there or something like that. But um, uh, so I really wanted to play games on these things, but they were kind of locked down. Um, and so I just sort of made it, and a few other very nerdy kids who I think didn't want to go to the lunchroom to get picked on, made it our hobby to like stay in the classrooms during lunch and try and figure out how to like break <laughs> these computers in order to run games on them. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember. And teachers were like, great. Yeah, yeah. We love this. We had some some teachers who seemed totally cool with this. Um, and so the 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 thing that I remember about this was that I figured out that you could turn off the security features by booting the computer with a DOS boot disk. So I had to bring in a DOS floppy from home. Um, I had a Mac, so getting the DOS floppy was a whole story on its own. Uh, and then uh, going in and deleting the like security program and then booting it back to Windows, and then it was fine. But I needed to be able to like set it back to normal before the teachers saw it. So doing that took almost a whole lunch break. What I really wanted was to be able to play games on this thing, but I needed to be able to reset the computer back to totally being normal again before the end of my <laughs> lunch break. And the way I figured out to do that was I couldn't download games on it. It took too long. And uh, and it, and uh, you couldn't download the games with the with the security turned on, but I could turn the security off. Install a Game Boy emulator. It was the only emulator that would run. I could not run any S emulators on these things; they were too slow. <laughs> but installed a Game Boy emulator, and then do you turned, remember which emulator it was? I wish which, I did. Like, I don't, man. Um, I, I've the, gone, the reason I ask is because is because I I downloaded it in the nineties a Game Boy emulator, not knowing what I was doing, just trying to find a Mario game online. And mm-hmm. it was called, I think it was called, I think it was called No Money GB or GB or something. I don't remember. That's it was weird. But probably it, honestly. I, I was I don't curious, know. yeah. Whatever, whatever would have been like the reasonably decent Game Boy emulator for Nintendo or for Nintendo 3.1, for Windows 3.1. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but like that meant that I could, in, I could turn off the security and install the emulator, but then turn the security back on and still download ROMs. Like that, those weren't blocked. Uh, EXEs were blocked, but Game Boy ROMs were not. Uh, correction exes you could download if you deleted the file extension saved it and then afterwards opened windows file explorer and added exe back in oh you had hacks that i didn't have laura (laughs) that was my hack (laughs) damn you know your shit uh yeah so i knew my shit in middle school and now i'm uh, incapable so also the the program that you could update links to open up the um cd drive that was also a key one Ooh, yeah this is why kids need computers now you can't just give them phones yeah you know stuff there's no way that a kid can like honestly like i credit a huge amount of my like enthusiasm for like messing around with technology to spending an inordinate inordinate amount of time trying to figure out how to run games on my lunch break it was it was huge and And not on a computer where there'd be any repercussions from your parents oh yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and where if i broke it i could just i could just pretend it wasn't me (laughs) like i don't know i don't know who did this Um, I, I, uh, I, 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 I will, we're going to talk about specific games that we are 
into or that we recommend a little later in the show. But I was going to say that the game that I most remember from this running on these, you know, probably 386s or whatever during my lunch break um, was, oh, geez, dang. Jordan, we were just talking about this game, the one with the ghost that's very expensive now. Um, Spirit. Uh, Avenging Spirit. Avenging Spirit. Thank you. That was the game that I remember playing the most back at that at that time and now it's crazy expensive and i can't get a copy yeah i i was that was one of the ones i was really excited to buy for my collection and i didn't realize it was rare because i had just like i'd only mm-hmm. ever played it on emulators mm-hmm. uh and then i was like oh yeah i should grab avenging spirit that game's great and i looked it up and i was like four hundred dollars <laughs> what uh, that just makes uh, me mad i don't know yeah uh. But that game, even, the Japanese, even the Japanese the, version is um, expensive. Silicon Valley startups have beautiful arcade cabinets because it's all ROMs. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> for once, I have the first exposure to a console. This has never happened to me before. But um, nice. I, my older brother, uh, who's eight years older than me, was given a Game Boy because we were moving from Texas, uh, from California to Texas and driving the whole way. And they needed to give him something to not murder his little sisters. So he got a Game Boy. Um, we learned all the state capitals. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Classic. But, you know, when you're like five, what, yeah. like, that's entertaining. So <laughs> I eventually, he got tired of this. It was the only... Uh, console he was allowed to have because my parents didn't believe in video games but they believed in car trips and uh that was how you got through car trips so we could play the game boy unlimited in the car but that was the only time or we could play them like you know in set times when they would give it to us so the thing was he got tired of the game boy gave it to me so he gives me this game boy and it's the original one and the back panel the where the batteries are held on is missing and so it's just a piece of bunch of duct tape over classic the batteries. Yeah. so it's batteries in the duct tape and i get three cartridges i get tetris i get r type and teenage mutant ninja turtles follow the foot clan so it's and honestly a pretty dope collection tbh I played you're gonna have three, three cartridges up until pokemon was released and i got a new <laughs> game oh, wow so that's all I played. I got very That's good really at Tetris. Funny. I speed run uh, Fall of the Foot Clan, not knowing that was a thing. <laughs> I just knew every pizza. I knew every sewer trap. I knew every shortcut to beat the boss. I just aced that game because I had to play it. And I eventually almost beat our type. But that game was so hard, I don't think I ever actually beat it. You know, but I think I was going to say though. that's the real odd man out of those three. Like the first two are, you know, uh, Fall of the Foot Classics, Clan was like right? super popular. Like everybody bought that for their kid because everybody loved turtles. I love turtles. Damn, mm-hmm. I love turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, total sidebar. But did you guys see like there's that new Turtles beat em up game coming oh, out? I, got, I think, I think oh, it's Treasure I've, or something. It's, I've got a couple treasure, uh, Twitter friends. What's the word? Anyway, it doesn't it's, matter. Uh, it's, it's, it's tribute. 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 That's what right. I was trying to say. Yeah. I got a couple Twitter friends working on that and I'm very excited oh, for it. Man, very it, excited. It looks fantastic. But yeah, our type is a real like outlier there. Do you have any idea? Like, did you, was your brother into shooters or like? No, I think he probably played it once at an arcade mm-hmm. and asked for it and then never played it again because it was definitely <laughs> the one cartridge. You have the little case with all the slots. And of mm-hmm. course, it was sad because you have like 16 slots and we had three cartridges. <laughs> oh, that's and the worst. Our type was always in the last slot, the shame slot oh. that you like like bought it and you don't think you're ever going to play it 
Yeah. And that's where our type lived. And it was just because it's so hard, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a and hard shooter, see. but I always thought that, I mean, you know, I'm sure you can, I don't know if you're going to tell us a little bit about like our type, but like I would, I, I love that arcade game. I've never played the Game Boy port, but I it's really, very good. yeah, I really love that mm-hmm. game. And it's surprising that they even really were able to cut it down to the, mm-hmm. to the Game Boy. It's a pretty big game and lots of like, I forget how many levels, but there's a pretty large number of levels. And on the, on the turbo graphics, they actually released it on two cartridges because it was, you know, too big for a single cartridge. I just read an article on the like D port of this basically because mm-hmm. they it's almost like they retroized it to work on the game boy they did yeah. cut a couple levels uh they did have a different company do it and I, I think the big thing they were trying to do is just to keep like it says credits like it includes a lot of the arcade feel to it um mm-hmm. i remember being thrown by that because i was like credits you mean lives <laughs> mm-hmm no, they mean credits. It's just the arcade game. Wow, that's cool. If you're ever if you're ever looking to pick it to pick it up now, I highly recommend grabbing uh, R Type DX for the Game Boy Color because it actually has all four versions. It has like R Type One and Two, the original Game Boy versions, and then it has Game Boy Color versions of those wow. as well. And you can find it for like five bucks. That's incredible. For some, no, I really for some reason, R Type was it, it sold really well on the Game Boy. A lot of people bought R Type and R Type DX. I don't know why, but huh, it's really common. It it seemed to be. <laughs> really common and then people would get it and be like oh wait this is incredibly hard <laughs> yep <laughs> well so sorry laura <laughs> enjoy playing that first level for you know several years because you're yep. six <laughs> mm-hmm. i think i made it i think i made a joke on twitter uh because there was that that video going around of that uh lady trying to play the lion king did you guys see this on twitter she's like a streamer and she's trying to play the lion king for the first time and she's like and she dies and it says game over and she's like wait game over it's like she had no idea like the, the game was like done and so i like I, it was really funny and so i retweeted that and was like y'all think us retro gamers are just playing the same games over and over i haven't gotten past level two in r-type three in 20 years that was <laughs> pretty like, much me and, yeah. and so much later pokemon comes out and i'm one amazed it runs on i'm still using the same yeah game it's wild and two, i have never played a game designed to be longer than like 40 but Turtles is like a 50 minute game (laughs) and I'm playing Pokemon and I'm like there's more games (laughs) you don't just pick your starter and then end the game and then pick your starter again (laughs) like I am flabbergasted when Pokemon comes out I was like there's a story there's more game after two hours and I and I and I was talking to Reagan about this because I wanted to trade, and I just like there's so much game, and he was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I, you know, thinking about it more, I guess I did kind of gl- like glance over that part of my Game Boy experience because like once Pokemon hit, I was in deep into that, and like it really did give the console kind of a second life. Oh yeah, totally. but like. Uh, I guess, but you know, if for me that, you know, cause I was really into Pokemon. I think I got it into like 99 and then you had the Game Boy Color that it was already out at that point. And then you had the Game Boy Advance like two years later. So for me, it was more like I got super into the Game Boy Advance and then super into the DS so much so that I started a whole podcast about it mm-hmm. for like 10 years. Um, but like, yeah, it was like, it was just weird how, I don't know. I just, in the nineties, I didn't play much Game Boy, but yeah, it's like the, the Pokemon kind of gave it like this second life there, uh, late in the nineties and into the early two thousands, which is wild for such an old piece of hardware. Yeah. It's a, it, 
it was already super, super long in the tooth. And I forget, was the Game Boy Color already out when Pokemon came out or did it come out right after? It was right around the same time. It came out I, after. I get confused. Yeah, yeah. I think it came out, I think it came out it, just like a year later or but something. But it, it was sort of like, it, it seems like, like Nintendo was like very much like about to abandon the Game Boy. And yeah. then Pokemon comes along and everyone is buying new Game Boys again. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I looked at some of the weird stuff that went around the Pokemon launch because I was interested. And apparently they got um, the Volkswagen Beetle, the new one, had just come out. So they paired up with Volkswagen to get yellow beetles that they would transform into Pikachu. And then they had... Oh, I remember they this. They renamed the town of Topeka, Kansas into Topikachu. Yeah. Oh, no. And they had people parachute out of a plane, dress like yeah. Pikachu, and then land and get into the Volkswagen, which were painted like Pikachu, and drive to the next, like, drive around the U.S. promoting uh. so. So I'm in I'm in Missouri. So Kansas is next door to us, and I remember exactly what you're describing being on the news and being like, "God, I wish that happened here, man. That sounds so rad." <laughs> this was all before YouTube. Like the local news is the only way you find out about the. I can't I can't get over Topikachu. That's really good. <laughs> It's also where Westboro Baptist Church is, if you're curious. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. There are Topeka Chew and Westboro, the two things yep. Topeka is. Uh, <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm trying to think of any Pokemon pun I can do with Houston, Texas, and there's nothing. So mm. I guess they did it in the right spot, despite the despite the terrible <laughs> church. <laughs> well, um, we could probably reminisce more about you know, our history with the the Game Boy. And I'm sure that'll continue to come up as we go along. Cause like, damn, I, yeah. I, I, I love the game. We, by the way, uh, point of order. We're not talking about the Game Boy Advance here. We're not talking about the entire no. Game Boy series. I could do oh, another whole dozen episodes about the Game Boy Advance. I was very obsessed yep. with the Game Boy Advance. Um, but yeah, the, the Game Boy itself, um, the only thing I really strongly remember about picking up the Game Boy was that I actually got my physical Game Boy, um and bought pokemon and it was i loved pokemon i played a ton of it and i was like i need more games for this thing and because i was so excited about pokemon i was like okay i need to see if there are other rpgs for this system i really wanted to play more rpgs on it and because it was when it was like i don't actually know what year this was but whatever year pokemon came out or maybe the year after um there was no way to like look this stuff up or like get a good yeah. consensus or whatever. So I might find option, a GeoCities site. I know, I know. My <laughs> option was literally just like, okay, go into the local game store and ask the guy behind the counter, what are some good RPGs for the Game Boy? And he kind of shrugged and was like, uh, uh, and he sold me, um, I think there was, uh, so, um, uh, Final Fantasy Legend yeah. and Revelations Demon Slayer. Holy, that's a rare one today too, I believe. Yeah. That's, the, that's actually a Shin Megami Tensei game. I know, I know. <laughs> so, and the, the thing is like, I love the Shin Megami Tensei series today. And I, uh, but I remember pulling that, putting that game in my Game Boy. First of all, it's one of those like Game Boy Color slash Game Boy games. It doesn't actually yeah. look very good on a Game Boy Pocket. No. It's kind of hard to play. Um, but I was completely confused by it to the point where I was like, yeah. maybe I don't actually <laughs> like this type of game at all. Like maybe I don't actually like rpgs after all this game was so inscrutable um i remember like you start in a town 
and like you leave that town and then maybe you can't get back into the town again afterwards. And then I couldn't find where to go next. And I just ended up like wandering around the desert until I died. The yep. end. And that's, that's that my story. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, the game boy had high highs and low lows. So what your story could have been if he had, if you'd gotten the right guy is he could have directed you towards the dragon quest one and two cartridge or dragon quest three as i got directed to ah. and dragon quest became my favorite series of all time so should have he should have given you dragon quest is what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> i never played a dragon quest until uh the most recent one. Oh yeah i don't know before we get into talking about specific games like in general like I, I guess rpgs were kind of a big part of what i was i was wanted to play rpgs on the on the mm-hmm. uh, the game boy but i think what i actually ended up playing most apart from pokemon was just just like puzzle games like Tetris. Like, did you have any particular like genres you particularly liked on the Game Boy? Well, when I traded, like when I was able to borrow games from other people, um, I always asked for Kirby games and then I would play the Mario games, which were just ports. Um, But the Kirby ones were the ones that I always wanted. Eventually, I really wanted to play all the pinball games, but they had rumble packs and they would cause, like if the batteries got jostled loose, then the game would reset. So I had to always disable the rumble packs, which is not great. So also if I got too excited when playing, I would just and restart the game. So um, RPGs saving, saving often and uh, not playing anything with the rumble pack was how I got through. But uh, Kirby, number one game, I think when I traded, anybody had Kirby, I would trade, you know, any sandwich, any lunch for the week would go to borrowing the Kirby game. <laughs> mm. Again, really funny sorry, mom. She's hearing about hacking and like not eating lunch. <laughs> it's it's really funny you say that because actually I never owned any. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Um, how to explain this? So I never really owned any Kirby games either. I would just trade my friends for them, just like you did. Yeah. Um, so one of my best friends growing up was actually from Japan, and he had a ton of just. Uh, Japanese games, you know, and he had a ton of Japanese Game Boy games, which is awesome because the Game Boy is backwards compatible. There's just, or not backwards compatible, but not region locked. And so uh, I would just, you know, borrow a ton of games from him. And, you know, I learned a lot about different series and different games that I never would have learned about otherwise. But um, so, yeah, it's like, it was just, yeah, I would always grab like Kirby Star Stacker from him, which is a pu- puzzle game, kind of like Tetris, or I'd grab uh, like Kirby's Block Ball, which is freaking awesome and still one of my favorite games on the, on the whole console. Um, but I'm trying to think, I think I always, like you said, Reagan always wanted more RPGs, but yeah, the the selection was just kind of, I mean, there actually were a ton in Japan. We just didn't get a lot of them. Like there's a whole series necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole series called the Oni series in Japan. I think there's like five of them and they're like ninja themed RPGs that we never got. Um, there's a whole bunch of them over there that we never got. So I wish that we'd gotten more of them, but you know, what's funny about you mentioned the final fantasy legend games earlier. I grabbed final fantasy legend two. Uh, and adventure right around that same time. Um, and a lot, I think a lot of people did right around the Pokemon craze because Sunsoft, you know, the publisher, they saw the Pokemon craze and they actually went to Squaresoft and then re-released the Final Fantasy Legend games, which hadn't been available since like the 90s because they basically saw, oh, these kids are looking for RPGs. And that's the reason why those games aren't that expensive today because they sold really well. The Sunsoft copies did right around the time Pokemon came out. Um, so yeah, I was always looking for RPGs, but now I like, I think nowadays my favorite games for the console are like platformers, especially like hidden gem platformers or like mm. ones that, ones that you just don't expect. Like there's a, you know, like any, anything with Sunsoft in the title or like, 
um i don't know just like even like looney tunes for the game boy is really good there's like a like mickey's dangerous chase for the game boy is like a freaking great game made by capcom um and so i love you know like like the the game boy versions of like the ducktales games and like darkwing duck are like really good versions of those games uh so nowadays it's like i'm all about the platformers that's like my main thing so yeah those are really fun this is not exactly a totally original thought uh but i something i've really felt about the game boy uh, library is that the ones that really do it well are the games that are not trying to have gigantic sprites on screen because the yeah. the um uh, you know the resolution is so low like thinking about like the um I think the the Batman game from Sunsoft there's a yeah, yeah. um <laughs> he's just like a he's like a little guy <laughs> yeah he's like he's tiny and you can tell it's Batman but it's it's like yeah. very abstract tiny little micropixel Batman in a in a style that honestly I think like like you know if a if a indie was going for that style today it would like mm-hmm. be pretty pretty fashionable like a like a like low pixel uh style whereas like you know, some games like I was I was going back and trying to replay um, Avenging Spirit, which is an interesting game, but like probably mm-hmm. its biggest fault is like it has these incredibly charismatic, large, cartoony sprites, but they're so big that you can't see anything around you, you know? And yeah, so like it's a it's a balancing act being able to fit. I forget how many pixels across that screen is, but it's nothing. It's tiny. So being able I think to fit- I think a lot of games back then were trying to kind of go more for like the NES resolution, mm-hmm. like uh, even even some games that reported from the NES, they would actually just crop in the screen. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, games like Paperboy just made them completely unplayable. Um, but I think that like a lot of games were just trying to, I don't know. Yeah. Go for that same kind of NES resolution, but it wound up making the game world feel super cramped. Um, but the ones that didn't do that you know, feel awesome. Like you said, like Batman also in that game, he has a gun, which just still cracks me up. (laughs) His little sprite just has like, (laughs) and every time I see it, it makes me laugh. Yeah. It's literally just the lens on the window on the world has to be much smaller. Like you can have the tiny character, you can have the same jump size and everything. You just have to zoom in. And sometimes that works with the game. Other times it didn't change it. So you can't anticipate stuff ahead of time. So it's, it's tricky. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's what the platformers are such a, a hugely mixed bag. Like the Game Boy is mm-hmm. like probably the biggest chunk of the library are puzzle games. And yep. those are hit or miss too. But like those at least like you you can generally do one of those on the low resolution screen without it without any trouble. There's there's other issues with some of them, but like the resolution well, probably I, is not a big deal. And I think the I think the thing that we don't take into account now because we mostly play on emulators or like an you know an IPS modded Game Boy or whatever is that the screen refresh rate was so blurry. I mean, like mm-hmm. I you know I I always keep around like some original Game Boy hardware just so I can keep in mind what they were actually supposed to look like on that hardware. But like there's there's a lot of games where man it it can almost feel unplayable if the action doesn't move slow enough because yeah. it's like if this were any faster you wouldn't be able to tell what was going on. So yeah, that's I think that's where the puzzle games came in most of the time as well. I mean, the there's many reasons why Tetris was a hit on it. But oh, one yeah. of them, I think, is that the speed of falling, like especially when it starts falling fast, that blurriness makes it feel almost uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually a benefit <laughs> in Tetris. It's, it's funny, the reason... Uh, also, I was looking up this game that Tetris was included instead of Mario as the ship was because the same... Like, the same American guy who was yelling about like the Game Boy being a stupid name said, "If you want, <laughs> if you want it to be only sold to little boys, include Mario. If you want adults to buy it, group in Tetris, and the little boys will buy Mario as an additional game." 
Yeah. Yep. But their parents will play Tetris. So like yep. that was basically the the premise there. And to me, Tetris is the quintessential Game Boy game. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it feels perfect. On it's it. incredible. It's a, it's a wonderful game. Have you ever played it's it with, the, with the Link cable? Like the two-player yeah. version? I, I think that actually still holds up. It's really huh. good. I, n- I never actually played the Game I Boy game with the Link cable. I never did multiplayer once on... Yeah. I only linked table to trade Pokemon. <laughs> Same. I think that was like, it seems like, except from what I hear from people that are like a little, a little older than me, it seems like a lot of people really did play multiplayer with the link cable when it was like in its prime. But everyone kind of after that was like, oh, I just did it for Pokemon. And oh, everyone's cables Apparently broke. Apparently it was like the selling point was head to head, like was the thing they sold the console on, which to me is actually like cuckoo. Like I've never yeah, thought it's about wild. it. Yeah. I mean, there are some some advantages, you know, if you if you want to have like, I don't know if Tetris is the perfect example of this, but like that was probably would have been the first time you would have had like a multiplayer game where you could have private information on every on each person's mm. screen. You know, yeah, like, I um, I remember reading about some I forget what it was called, some little like war game or something that was like. Like a strategy war game type thing, not like, like Famicom Wars, but something. Yeah, but like, hey, Battleship, perfect example. Would have been would have been ideal on two Game Boys with a link cable. Anyway, I think, I'm pretty sure Radar Scope <laughs> had that, but I'm not. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's a. Um, I wonder if the I wonder if the like virtual console on the DS or the 3DS supports like links linked versions. Nope. Just <sighs> I think just for the Game Boy, just for the Pokemon games, and that was it. Which uh, makes me sad. Although. I will say that the Super Game Boy does support, like, if it's a fighting game or a tennis game or something, you can just plug in your game into the Super Game Boy and play it with two people, like, holding different controllers, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of that. That looks amazing. God, the Super Game yeah. Boy is another whole thing. Like, I didn't have any yeah. access to that when I was a kid because I didn't have an SNES. But, like, I, I when I was playing some games preparing for this, um, I played on a few different things. I played on my Game Boy Pocket. I played on uh, actual Game Boy uh, player, not Game Boy player, the, the the SNES one that we were just talking about. What's it called again? Um, Super Game, Game Boy. Super Game Boy. Thank you. Um, and also on Mister, which we can. Hey, by the way, we have a, a whole episode talking about the Mister project coming along. Uh, but the Mister has uh, recently implemented uh, Super Game Boy support, where it'll do the accurate color palettes and borders and everything, and that really does add something, you know, like mm-hmm. it, like even for the games that support it, having the color palette, you know, even if it's like a four color palette, it's still, yeah, it, it really helps <laughs> uh, on some of those games that kind of look a little oh, yeah. bland otherwise, but yeah, that people don't think about the, the super game boy, but it was, it was a big part of the, the package at the time. Uh, let's talk about some specific games. We each played yeah. some games this week. We each, uh, I played a couple of Game Boy games that were from my collection, and I just sort of leafed through some other stuff via ROMs. Um, I know uh, other folks have played some other ways, and we were just going to recommend some things that we think are worth revisiting uh, for folks who are into short games, the short game audience, uh, that you, you know, games on the Game Boy that you might want to revisit, whether you want to check them out on an actual Game Boy, or if you want to pull out your dusty 3DS and download it from the virtual console before they close that store down. Or uh, if you're a filthy criminal and you want to preserve video games by downloading them. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, uh, it, it's your moral filthy responsibility. Criminal who believes in game preservation. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. me. That's going to be my new Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah, I played uh, I played a few games, but the one I was going to recommend first uh, is Donkey Kong 94. Or people refer to this game as Donkey Kong 94. It's actually just called yeah. Donkey Kong uh, for the Game Boy. People say 94 just to disambiguate because it is it came out in 1994. And um, it, you know in in conversations about what are good Game Boy games, you know, this will be in the top five in almost anybody's list. So absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm probably not surprising anybody with that. But um, <laughs> but I definitely still wanted to recommend it. Um, you know, and Jordan, feel free to, to, you know, I know you've probably played it at least as much, if not more than I have. But um, to kind of explain a little bit about why this game. Well, Boy, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Can I just give my thoughts on it really quick? OK, it's it's good. That's my thoughts. Done. Oh. All right. That's a good game. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Oh. Into the podcast. Let's wrap. <laughs> about donkey kong for the game boy that i think are particularly notable and make it really really worth revisiting more so than most of the game boy library in my opinion um and uh, the the thing that that really stands out about it is first of all it has the greatest like early game fake out that you will ever see Mm. because the game begins (laughs) seeming like it is a straight port of donkey kong the arcade game the graphics look very similar to donkey kong the arcade game um and the first four levels are sort of Game Boyified versions of the four stages in the Donkey Kong arcade game. Uh, you know, eagle-eyed players might notice there, that Don- that uh, Mario has a few extra moves, but uh, and I'll explain a few of those because they're really interesting. But uh, at the it, start- it almost feels like a it almost feels like a prototype of like Mario's uh, move set from like. Super Mario 64. It really, really does. Yeah. Like the, yeah. there's a few things that he can do that like stuck around in the Mario series and kind of became mainstays. Um, yeah. The big one is like you can, you can jump into a handstand. Uh, and if you jumping out of a handstand, you get a higher jump. So mm-hmm. you got this sort of like risk reward because you kind of put yourself in like vulnerable. You, you can't move as fast while you're handstanding. Um, uh, and it also takes a moment to flip over into that position, but then you can do the sort of extra height super jump out of it. Um, it's a, a really cool little move, and I, I forget what all else he has. There's there's uh, several other little moves that he has that are more situational. Um, but yeah, it, he it feels totally different from how Mario felt on the NES and even on the SNES. He he's he's a very very acrobatic mario in this game but it starts with those four first four levels that are really really similar to the arcade game and then it immediately like rather than looping and doing those same four levels again like the arcade game would uh, and you know looping and looping again uh it then switches to this mode where it becomes basically a, an action puzzle game mm-hmm. um and uh there are um many zones or sort of like stages or what have you that have different themes there's like a big city theme and a jungle theme area and so on and each of those is made up of like six or eight different little mini puzzle levels 
Um, they'll have a variety of different little enemies rolling around in them. Similar to the arcade game, there's these little items you can pick up on your way to try and save Pauline. But Pauline isn't at the top with Donkey Kong of every single one of these levels, unlike the first four. Um, he's kind of like in as a as a, a mid-boss and then a final boss of each zone. And in between, it's more just sort of these sort of puzzle levels. And every mm-hmm. single uh, zone, it introduces a new mechanic. Uh, and it does a really great job of introducing them to each zone starts with a little sort of cut scene where, for example, maybe you see, um, you know, Donkey Kong pull a lever to retract a bridge. And then Mario runs along after him and pulls a different level to lever to extend that bridge again and then continue the pursuit, <laughs> right? And that has taught you in 10 seconds that like, okay, now I need to know how these, these retractable bridges work for the next levels. Um, it's great. It's a really, really solid game. The level design is great. Um, Mario feels great to control. I played it on, uh, in, in this particular case, I, I started it on the Game Boy Pocket, um, and it plays okay on the Game Boy Pocket, but like like Jordan was mentioning earlier, like the screens on those original Game Boys are, and the Game Boy Pocket was better than the original Game Boy, but like the, yeah, even the Game sure. Boy Pocket, like, you know, I had to sit at like a very precise angle, uh, you know, and I played this thing, you know, I've, I've had this Game Boy Pocket for many years, um, uh, but like, and so I, you know, I, I'm kind of used to that, but like, even so after a few levels, I got, I got really tired of it. Uh, and so I switched to playing on the Mr. on a CRT, uh, which is really great. Cause if you do play on something that has the super game boy support, it does a nice frame that looks like a, like a donkey Kong cabinet. And it has yep. nice, uh, nice, uh, like color graphics. Um, anyway. it also adds in, um, it uses the SNES sound chip too on the super game boy to add in mm. some extra sound effects and things, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many other games did that. It, it, it's literally just like Pauline's voice, low, low bit rate voice sample yeah. saying like, help, help instead of like, <laughs> a, a, like a three note squeak to I do the same thing. It. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really great game, and it's an example of like how Nintendo was, you know, it, it was definitely a showpiece for the Super Game Boy at the time. Uh, it was, I think it was yeah. one of the first Super Game Boy compatible games, uh, and it's one of those things where like you know Miyamoto was clearly definitely directly involved in it. Nintendo always does this. So they'll introduce a new piece of hardware and they've got like their big you know tentpole series Mario or something else to like come in and tell you why that product is so exciting. And <laughs> this game in particular feels like that for the super game boy. Um, but like, yeah, even, even on a regular game boy, or if you happen to pick it up on virtual console for the 3ds or on an emulator or something, it's still really, really worth playing because it is, it is not, it is not a Mario game and it is not a donkey Kong game. It's this other thing. It has a bit of a legacy. There is a series called like the Mario Minis or like Minis. Mario uh, Mario and Donkey Kong. Yeah, the Mario and Donkey Kong series, which is kind of an extension of the same sort of like action puzzle game style. I've tried playing Mm -hmm. some of those. There's one on 3DS and I think there's, I think there's one on Game Boy Advance. I forget what all. I I never really liked any of those. Um, Yeah. But the original Donkey Kong 94 is all killer. So Totally recommend checking it out. 
I was actually surprised to to see you pick that one for the short game, but I I thought because because to me it feels like one of the Game Boys like more massive games. But I, you guys just cut off as like ten hours or something, right? It, yeah, I was like no prob- question, you probably it, it probably is like I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't beat it for the, this week for the show. I have beat it before, I'm pretty sure, um, but it's been many years. I, I don't actually know exactly how long that is. Um, I'd have mm. to go look up how many like actually how many like like stages or whatever there are, but it's. It's very breezy. Um, you, you're you not going to sit there being stuck for very long. And it's very, very gener- <laughs> generous with lives. I'd be surprised if it took more than 10 hours to beat. I think it's probably more like yeah. six. Hey, you're probably right. So in contrast, I'm going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Because <laughs> it's interesting. Like, even if you've played a lot of arcade beat-em-up cabinets, the Game Boy games are unique because they are slow. It is funny because like the you basically have katana you have all your different weapons but like the Mm -hmm. kills have to happen in one hit and the enemies have to come at a certain pace but it's they have volume and they have angle basically to play at it it is fascinating now to play a beat-em-up on a game boy emulator i was playing on you know ds computer however you want to play this i'll say that there are three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games, and I was playing all three because I couldn't remember which game I owned, and I wanted to, to correctly identify it. But all the first two are about the same. They're both beat-em-ups. Um, you get pizza that helps your life. There are half pizzas and full pizzas that are just like floating in the air on the wall. Uh, <laughs> there are secret hidden areas and sewers that I somehow still remembered where they were. Like, ah, you can go down this sewer drain <laughs> and there's a mini game. And I man, was like, it's amazing <laughs> how that happens, man. Like, I've got so many times where that, like I suddenly remember like a secret I discovered when I was 10. That's yeah. funny. And you go through, um, basically if one, uh, turtle gets beat to hell, you have to, the next, and if you have to get through all four turtles to get through all five stages at the end of it. So you want yeah. to talk timing, like 50 minutes if you're good. <laughs> yep. Yep. This was actually the game. This was, a, so you're talking about Fall of the Foot Clan, right? The very first one? Yeah, Fall of the Foot Clan. And the third apparently is a Metroidvania. What? Yep. But the what? first, yeah. And it's hard as hell, too. And it's, it's super great, hard because I started yeah. it and was like, this is not the game I played. Uh, <laughs> but the first two are beat em ups. And Fall of the Foot Clan is pure. It is just a pure yeah. beat em up side scroller uh, it, to the point that it's got like, the highway chase, jumping over motorcycles. Like, if you name a cliche in a beat-em-up, it's in Fall of the Foot Clan. It has another beat-em-up cliche, too, which is a bomb soundtrack. It has oh. such a good soundtrack. Capcom had that license, or no? Uh, sorry, Konami. Konami. Was that a Konami? Yeah. Do you know it was Konami? A Konami made it? Game. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I wonder if they I, did that I, I, like I first party or like you know in house, or if they farmed out their Game Boy stuff back then. Oh, they oh they definitely did it in house because the I looked the, I looked at the composer after I beat it for the first time last year, and <laughs> I, she had worked on a bunch of other like really well known Capcom or Konami stuff. I can't remember who it was exactly, but uh, yeah, she's phenomenal. <laughs> like this that is, soundtrack is great. This is something we didn't really talk about, but like, damn, like I love the way the Game Boy sounds. Like it has an incredible mm-hmm. sound yeah. chip, and like. There's a real reason why uh, you know, when you think of chiptune music today, I think most people are thinking of things that are predominantly Game Boy chiptune. Like, yeah, for sure. It's it's an incredible system for just the way it sounds. It's uh, I love it. I, part of that, I'm sure, is the the tools. Like I think LSDJ has been around longer than any other like tracker of that type. But mm-hmm. anyway, sorry, Laura, I didn't mean to interrupt turtles oh no i was just going to say the the boss fights still really hold up like beating krang beating shredder they actually are still very good beat up bosses where you have to do a lot of interesting jump kicks and a lot of interesting things to beat them um i thought you know maybe i, I am very lucky that those were the games that were bought i don't know who to thank for that definitely not my parents <laughs> you just guessed. but um it's it's shocking this game did not need to be this good People mm-hmm. would have bought it anyway, but it yeah, was and, that's, and, there, and there were there were so many bad like uh, you know belt scroller beat 'em ups on the Game Boy. It's just oh, it's yeah. really and I and I always when I was younger I always assumed that Ninja Turtles was another one of those until I kept hearing people rant and rave and say no they're great the, the Ninja Turtles Game Boy trilogy is so fun and then I picked up for the first time last year and just sat down on a Saturday and you know went through it and I just had a great time. And I was like, boy, this is awesome. And that was actually the thing that that was one of the games that really kicked off my second wind of Game Boy collecting. Because it's just, I don't know, it's just a great little, great little game. It's like super simple and fun. Yeah, like you said, you can beat it in like 40 minutes. It's great. Yeah, Damn, it, I need to give that one a try now because like I love Turtles. I, I love Turtles beat 'em ups That's... Yeah, it and the sequel back to the sewers or back from the sewers. They both feel just like like an arcade game, but you, it's in your house. Like that's exactly yeah. what it feels like. And there's and they're just like super yeah they're really simple there's and like you could sit down and honestly blow through all three of them probably in an afternoon but they're I love them all they're great you know that makes me think about like when I was very very young you know we're talking about like I was I think when I first got my Sega Genesis so I think I would have been somewhat in elementary school but like probably early elementary school I think I don't know for sure anyway I remember thinking that like beat 'em ups was like the default genre. For me, like a video game <laughs> was beat 'em ups, and everything else was like a video game but different. Um, you were right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that, it was that era, man. Like every every licensed game, every felt like every licensed game was a beat 'em up. If you if you got like a cartoon license or a movie license, you were gonna do a beat 'em up. Doesn't matter if the if the movie was like I don't know what, like you know some like peace loving thing with no violence in it. They were gonna figure out some. <laughs> way to have those characters have to like fight their way through you know rough and tumble city or whatever Uh, yeah quick digression probably my favorite joke in any sitcom is uh, fresh off the boat has a joke where uh the lead character eddie um gets a copy of the shaquille o'neal game and hates it and his friend everyone's trying to get the shaquille and his friend was trying to get it and his mom instead bought the nine to five (laughs) video game <laughs> and and everyone who bought the Shaq game is miserable and they're just so mad at the game and then he, the friend keeps showing up and he's red eyed and he's like guys 
guys, this is the best game I've ever played. <laughs> and at the end, they'd show a screenshot. And it's clearly an RPG. And they have like the do-do-do-do-do playing Oh, my God. Tune. God, I wish that existed. And then it ends. <laughs> and he stands up and he claps. And he goes... <laughs> You can't have it all, ladies. <laughs> God, what show, somebody what, what make that on? game. What show was this? It's fresh off the boat. Um, oh, man, that's really good. <laughs> uh, and it's one of the best running jokes. So now when I'm like, and everyone else is talking about how bad the beat-em-up was, and he was just like, guys. Like, he's so tired, and he's like, guys, <laughs> the 9 to 5 video game. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds incredible, actually. My God, I would... I, has there ever been a Dolly Parton video game? Because if not, like yeah, what a was loss to, say, to humanity. Give, give Dolly Parton. I'm glad give Dolly that Parton wasn't made in the '80s because now it would be much more respectful. Oh, I, that's a very good point. Actually, <laughs> that's a very good point. Man, I wonder how much that license would be these days. Somebody get on that. Mm. What an idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jordan, do you have a game to suggest to the short game audience? God, I have so many. Um, so I'm first of all, I'm just going to knock out two series to begin with, which are just like, for me, like definitive Game Boy things, which is just all the Kirby games. If I could, I could just talk about all the Kirby games here. Those are like, if you have to pick up Game Boy games, just get all of those. You'll have, and then you'll have a pinball game, a breakout game, a puzzle game, and two excellent platformers. Those are just two of my, like my favorite series on the Game Boy. And the other one that I actually didn't think about until we were already started recording is the Game & Watch games, the oh, Game & Watch Gallery yeah. series. Um, I really, really adore those games and just the, you know, and just, I've had a lot of fun sitting down and playing the game, the game and watch gallery games. Cause first of all, you can play them one handed. So if you're holding a baby and bottle feeding, it, it helps <laughs> that you could just have to press a and B, but also they're just like a really simple, fun experience. And you can tell those, those collections were just made with a lot of love and appreciation for those, you know, super simple little games. So the game and watch gallery games are excellent too. Um, but then the game I really want to talk about is actually one that I don't hear talked about very often. And it is, uh, by how labs, the creators of Kirby and is called tracks, at least here in the U S it's called tracks in Japan. It's called, uh, toy Sugeki tank. I think is how it's is, is, uh, essentially, I don't, something about the title is, is toy Sugeki tank. And it basically means like, go, go do it. Junk tank. <laughs> and what it is, what it is, is it's a game. Uh, it's a shooter actually. Um, where you play as a little tank that can only rotate its turret in one direction, which is uh, clockwise. And you just run through several levels. Basically, like there's this evil empire that's come to attack this town. The town manages to overthrow one of their tanks. And now you control this tank and you go through, I think it's four or five different levels, just blasting everything in sight and picking up power-ups. And it has this really fun, adorable little... Uh, you know, how labs kind of look to it. Like one of the bosses is the, is a dragon helicopter. And one of the bosses is a, um, like a big mech who keeps like fall, tripping and falling on his face. Uh, and like the final boss is like a big clown mech or something. Anyway, it's a Excellent. real goofy, silly, fun game. Uh, and it's like in my top five Game Boy games. The first time I ever played tracks was actually, I thought it was just a Japan only game called Toy Sugeki Tank because my dad bought me 
like one of those Chinese multi-carts. Oh, you know, yeah. You those were everywhere. ubiquitous back then. I know. He bought me one with like 28 games on it or something. It was called like the 28-in-1 Super Game Boy something. And he got it at some market. Um, and it had this game on there, yeah, called Toy Sugeki Tank. And I like, you know, and even though that cartridge had like Super Mario Brothers and Contra and a bunch of other stuff, that was the game I kept coming back to over and over. And I would go through life being like, did you ever play Toy Sugeki Tank? And I would be like, what the hell are you talking about? What is that? And I didn't find out until I was like in college that it was called Tracks in the U.S. And people still didn't know about it because that's a terrible title. Yeah. Why didn't you just Tracks call it like CKS or Tracks T- T- T-R-A-X. Like what a Ooh, dumb even worse. title. Yeah. Like you could have called it like Mini Tank. Yeah, and or- I've, I had never played this and I just looked up the like the cover art isn't particularly great either it's like no what if a tank but all made of bubbles which is i mean which to be fair is what the tank looks like but as a sprite it makes more sense than just to draw that on the screen i don't know yeah the game's great though everyone should play tracks you can finish it seriously in like half an hour i think that i you you could probably beat it in your first sitting honestly it's not like the hardest game in the world but it's just a lot of fun and yeah this looks a like great a ton of fun i've never played this before does dope. it play sort of like a shooter or like I don't know. It, it's a little hard to. I guess from it this, plays like a shooter. Yeah, it's very. It's like, it's it plays very like. Down, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's top down. It plays like a shmup, but you're on the ground and you're driving around a tank and rotating your turret. And when I say tank, I think people think like, you know, it's slow moving. It's not a slow game at all. It plays like I said, like a shmup, but almost like a cute em up, like closer mm-hmm. to like, you know, like something like Twin B or Parodius or something. It has that kind of vibe to it. Um, but it's, it's great. That's like, that is the Game Boy game that I just cannot stop recommending to people because it is, uh, it is just excellent. It's not the cheapest one. I, I had to buy my copy for like $35 or something, but you know, uh, once again, you can just go download a ROM. I mean, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's called tracks. What a stupid title. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I had never heard of this game until you just mentioned it. And now I can't wait to go check yeah. it out. So that's very, that's very adorable. Cool. Yeah, I, it's very good. Well, here towards the end of the show, we like to do a little segment we call What's Making Us Happy This Week. And uh, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us here. I Maybe you'd like to go first. What's making you happy this week? Yeah, so it was kind of hard for me to think because I haven't been checking out a lot of, you know, the more recent media. And yeah, you, you have a baby. And, uh, you're, uh, you're I have a baby and now I have things right now. I have a baby and a newly popular Twitter account that's eating my life. So that's all I've been doing for the most part. Um, but when I have been hanging out with my baby and I want something quiet to unwind, I've been reading a manga actually uh, called Delicious in Dungeon. <gasps> I don't know if you've yes. ever heard of this. Yes. It's extremely good. It's extremely wholesome. I just love it with all of my heart. So it's a manga about uh, adventurers in a fantasy setting who are trying to explore this dungeon. It's a very Dungeons and Dragons style look to everything, but also like very sweet. And something about it just has like a, I want to go hang out with these people and give them a hug. Like something about the whole vibe is just very fun and sweet. Um, But anyway, the biggest problem with this dungeon is they can't, it's hard to bring enough food to explore the dungeon. They meet up with this weird, uh, this weird dwarf in the dungeon who starts teaching them how to uh, actually cook and eat the monsters that they're fighting. Uh, and so it actually turns into this like amazing food porn, like fantasy story about like cooking dragons and like making these dishes out of, you know, slimes in a dungeon. It's really, really great. And it has, it's like written in this really 
uh, awesome style where just like you can read a chapter and set it down. It's not like a super, like there's not like a big twist and you know, it's not like you're hanging on the edge of your seat. It's just a great it's thing. It's not you can like pick up shown in. There's no, like no one's talking about their power levels. Yeah. And it's not like a, a brand new thing. It's been around for a few years, but it's new to me. And it's just been like, ugh, it's just great. It's just awesome. And it makes me, I just got vaccinated recently. So it just makes uh, me like really excited to hang out with my friends. I just miss hanging out with my friends. And I'm like, oh, this, this makes me feel like I'm hanging out with my friends. So it's called Delicious in Dungeon. You can find it. I don't know anywhere. <laughs> it's yeah, it's on one of those apps. I think it's I think yeah. it's on the Shonen Jump app, or I might be mistaken. I, I don't know. Anyway, it's it's out there. Look it up. I I agree. Yes. I've, I've read the first two volumes of that, and it's uh, I, I haven't yeah. gone back to it since then. But it's really charming, and I think the thing that like it's hard to understand about it without getting into it is like it really is like 50 percent about cooking like it like they, yeah they spend a, a couple <laughs> of pages killing like a mushroom man and then yep. <laughs> they decide they're gonna cook that mushroom man into a soup and then it's it's just about making mushroom soup with like slight variations on it about like well what if the mushroom had been a person like that that's the- and, when, and when and when you and when you turn that page and like you see the big reveal of the dish you're just like oh dear lord i'm so hungry like oh, if you're See, like, it always looks so delicious. Like if you've ever seen like Studio Ghibli movies, all the food looks like it's from Studio Ghibli movies. It, it does. Looks, and I guess apparently it's getting an anime adaptation like next year or something. So I'm pretty, ex- I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think it's probably going to be really popular here in the next couple of years. So yeah, that sounds like a vibe. It's great. That sounds great. That's my, that's what's making me happy. Highly recommended. Awesome. Especially if you're like a, a Dragon Quest fan or something, you'll really dig it. Well, not to go too full weeb on the show, but my thing that I was going to say was making me happy this week is also a uh, Japanese thing. Um, to to set this up a little bit, I need to explain for folks who may not remember. I'm kind of obsessed with a particular arcade game called City Connection. Have been for hell years. yeah, <laughs> yes you are. Yeah. We love a Jalico stand. Oh yeah, hell yeah, man. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I've got a big uh, City Connection collection. Uh, you know, I've got the uh, obviously got the the you know the NES game, which was my first introduction to it. But the arcade game is also excellent. I've got the got the Famicom release. I've got an original arcade board. I've got the uh, the sort of rare uh, like low budget Japanese Windows PC release. <laughs> I've got Reagan. I think I need to break the news to you. Did you know that there is a pseudo spinoff of City Connection for the Nintendo Game Boy? Wait, which one? Called there is a it's called Banishing Racer and it's for the Game Boy. It was Japan only, but there is a fan translation and it is a, an action platformer, not not like City Cl- Connection, but it it basically stars the same car and it's wow. similar to City Connection. Okay, this is news to me and I'm going to have to go get it. Light on Reagan's face. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like I I've, I'm on a quest to own every single published or released version of this game so like in the last this year this makes me so happy I, this makes me so happy to hear that there is someone out there who loves city connection i love this it much. I, I love it, it. <laughs> i love it uh, and you know I, i've got the uh, i've got i've got a um uh, i've got a, a spanish as in from spain msx cassette release of the game holy hell and i just <laughs> i just found on ebay the first time it's popped up i've got all kinds of alerts about city connection let me tell you i've just purchased it hasn't actually arrived yet the german no, maybe I'm not actually. I think it's the the text is in German, but I think it actually might have been published in like the Netherlands or something. But anyway, um, a, an alternate MSX tape cassette release <laughs> of the game. So the only and I've also got the um, it, it's a part of a, a re-release package for the it was like called the Jalico collection on the PlayStation. And I've got 
the um there's one other i'm not thinking of one other version of the game i'm not thinking of but anyway uh, the only version that i i still covet and don't have are there was a um a japan only um game boy advance uh jalico collection that was mostly ninja jaja marokun games but has <laughs> city connection on it on the game boy advance and it is so rare every time it comes up on ebay it is over 200 dollars for this cartridge and i just can't I just can't do it because it's like, you know, it's like it's like the NES game on a on a you know re-release GBA cart with some Jaja Maru Kun stuff. I can't I can't justify it. But anyway, it's extremely good. <laughs> but what specifically made me happy this week was that. So uh, another bit of backstory is that obviously that was a Jalico game, but the Jalico, Jalico went out of business and their their rights went to a company called like PCE something or other. And then they went out of business. And long story short, mm-hmm. a, a small indie developer in Japan picked up the rights to the entire Jalico catalog and now owns them and licenses them for various things and renamed themselves. I don't actually know what they were named before that, but now this indie developer is named City Connection. Um, oh, I remember hearing something about this on yeah, Twitter, but yeah. I didn't. So, oh, yeah, I don't, and and awesome. City Connection runs two things. They run an indie video game development studio. They've put out a few things that are mostly okay. A lot of them are like re-releases and stuff. Um, and they run a music label, and they call which is called Clarice Disc. Uh, Clarice is the main character of City Connection, and Clarice Disc <laughs> is a, finally finally I finished setting this up. We've gotten around to what was making me happy this week. This this month, Clarice Disc released an album. I'm holding it up to the camera now, but I'll have to put the details into the show notes. Called Mirai Connection, City Connection Remixes, and it first of all is the first physical City Connection thing released in at least a decade. Um, Holy shit! This is the coolest <clears throat> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but it's a it's a seven song EP that features uh, remixed versions of the music from City Connection. I'll go on another tangent because I'm such a nerd about City Connection. The music of City Connection is uh, remixes of a Tchaikovsky piece, um, and I mean, the I'm into it. there's uh, yeah. there's several levels, and each one of them features a remix of this Tchaikovsky piano piece in a sort of chiptune style imitating various different world music styles. So like there's a, a rock and roll version in the New York level and like a, like a, like a Britishy version in the Britain level, that kind of thing. It's great. But anyway, this- I'm just, I'm just losing my mind that Reagan is like the world's biggest city. Like the, the game about the car, the game yes. where the car where the car does can a jump. jump, where the, the car can <laughs> jump. The, the game with the jumping car. This is not the first time that Reagan has discussed City Connection. Did we do a whole episode on no, it? No, I've never. Like I've never been able to manage that one. I've never been able to manage I've, to get you guys to do an episode you, on City Connection. We did. We did a. You big call me when the City Connection episode is happening. Episode I, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm very excited I, about this. I will drop a. I will drop a, a little bit of one of these songs into uh, into the show, but like. Like they they hired some J-pop singers and they are singing along to the City Connection music and it's it's great. God, this <laughs> rules! Oh my god. Come 
That's incredible. <laughs> so that's what made me very, very happy this week. Is the songs are actually good, but what's mostly ha- made me happy about it is like this thing that I love and am incredibly passionate about. Uh, it's very, very nice to know that somewhere in Japan, there's somebody who is passionate enough about it also that they named their company City Connection and they are continuing to care. Someone out there other than me cares about City Connection. I'm going to change my what's making me happy to this conversation about Reagan <laughs> loving Reagan's City Connection. <laughs> I... Oh, but by the way, getting a CD shipped from Japan, Japanese CDs are expensive as hell. And getting them shipped here Holy is even shit, more yeah. expensive. So I I paid 40 something dollars for this seven song EP, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but OK, that's that's all I have to say about that. It's OK. Like two years ago, I paid maybe $30 for a uh, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like the Korean pop music from the 1960s. Like there was a compilation CD that I made way too much to get sent to me for Korea. So oh, I can uh, believe it. It's great. To be fair, that sounds cool as hell. So it's very good music. <laughs> um, if you want to find, uh, you know, Korean girl groups from 1960s and 70s, uh, I, I do help you out there. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't expect that I would have the least weeby recommendation with a young adult fantasy series, but here we go. <laughs> All right, bring it on. <laughs> um, so I have a habit of when I hear from any source, I like stick a book into my um, uh, over, uh, not overdue, but my uh, Libby app, which is the library app that you borrow books from. And I just put it on my tag and if it comes up, it comes up. And this you know, I'll have like 50 books in the queue. I'll cycle through. And The Thief came up. And I didn't remember if this was um, a moody science fiction book, if this was a light little poppy thing. I just was like, well, it's up in the queue. Let's read it. It is a uh, series where you have Jen, who is a thief who's been put in jail because he bragged about stealing something from basically the king's vizier. And the vizier takes him out of jail and is like, so you think you're the best thief. Uh, We're going to go on a quest to go steal something in another country. And I'm picking you because you won't cause diplomatic issues (laughs) if you get caught or die. Like, no one will care. (laughs) So the first book is all this buddy adventure. Um, You realize there's a ton of political intrigue. It's basically fake ancient Greece. Um, there's a whole intricate God and religion system there. The heist is very good because it's one person, but the, the tomb is an intricate Zelda puzzle thing. Um, I finished the first book and then I put the other three immediately on the list. And I think I finished the first book February 28th and I finished the fourth book March 23rd. So like I gobbled these up. Mm. Um, mm. They're short. They're sweet. All of them are really interesting. They've got, um, the political intrigue is super interesting about this war between Anatolia, Solis, and uh, the third country that I'm blanking on, Edis, the one in the middle. Um, oh, yes, of course. Yes, naturally. Of course. Yes, these, yes. Yeah, I understand. But, <laughs> so I'm, I'm talking around it because the whole first book is a trick because everybody is someone else. <laughs> so you're reading this book and then there's like, 
oh, man, you were actually this person the whole time, and you were this person. I love an Ocean's <laughs> Eleven-style heist in a book hmm. because you can't see people, and so you can't be like, aha, you were actually this other person. Anyway, you <laughs> actually are in the YA space. This is not a surprise to you. The first book, The Thief, uh, got a Newbery Honor Award, I think, but... I was fascinated by how interesting and complex these were, especially if you're an adult. And you will gobble them up like candy and feel like a smart person at the same time. <laughs> and there's not a lot of books that let you do that. I think that, Especially young adult novels, man. That's well, great. Well, I think often the political intrigue is this person is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this one's like, oh, this person's actually secretly working with a third party ambassador and they're trying to overtake. And oh, wait, also this impacts where the army's moving. There's all these moving parts. But because it's YA, it's all communicated through interesting like back chamber things. Also, because the main character is a thief, you get a lot of eavesdrop conversations. You get him doing these incredible stunts of like, you know, leaning off of the top of roofs and like finding hidden tunnels and escaping up fireplaces. Uh, it blends about four different genres together in this really delightful package. So that's The Queen's Thief Theory by Megan Whalen Turner. That's awesome. Awesome. That's Just, great. Yeah, that sounds great. Mm. Easy, easy mm. reading, no matter where you are in the <laughs> pandemic mindset. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you, Jordan, for coming on the show. This was super fun and uh, love to have you. It was an absolute pleasure. Loved being on. Absolute pleasure. I would do it anytime. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for folks who may be interested in the sort of so Jordan and I are both interested in the like retro techie side of things. Jordan and I also recorded a a quick episode about the Mister Project, which I've already talked about on the show a couple of places. Um, the very exciting retro tech hardware project that I'm very excited by. Um, you say we recorded an episode. Really, you just talked to me and I just asked a bunch of questions because I was clueless as to how this worked. Yeah, but. that was essentially what happened was uh, Jordan was thinking about buying one of these things. And I was like, and we, we got on a call to talk about it. And I was like, let's record this for content. Let's record this. <laughs> uh, so that'll be somewhere, someplace eventually, if you want to listen to it. And um, uh, Jordan, where can people find your podcast and all the other things you do? Uh so you can find Pocketoid uh, anywhere that good podcasts are found. We're pretty much on everything. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jackal27 or at CRT Pixels if you're into uh, old fat televisions and the way that old games look on them. Uh, that's about it. That's Those are my internet spaces. And I want to specifically recommend people do check out Pocketoid if you haven't. Um, it's a really it's a really well done podcast. They've been doing it a long time and I guess they've gotten, you know, they figured some of that stuff out. Uh, but specifically what I love about Pocketoid is that it is a sort of like news-ish podcast uh, in that like they cover like what's happening in, you know, like recent, like the, the, in contrast to our podcast where we tend to cover like old ass yeah. shit. Yeah, that or, for like a week. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> they cover, they attempt, they make an attempt to be topical while also not being the kind of podcast that like a, a lot of those podcasts, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I. I'm not doing a very good job of selling your show here. I apologize. But what I what I want to get at if there is, was if there was a if there was a box quote that I could pull from the sentence you just said and put on the the box of our podcast, it would be they make an attempt. 
<laughs> and that's it, about the most I can say about it's it. It's good. It's a good show. And so if you if you want a show that like is fun while also still telling you what happened on the most recent Nintendo Direct, basically, is the is the vibe. Yeah. Um it is it is a very good show for that. Our goal is to just help make people aware of cool video games and also just hang out because we're two best friends and it's like our excuse to talk to each other about cool video games so if you want to hear us uh react to whatever weird stupid things are happening in the game industry and also maybe find out about cool games especially of the indie variety you'll probably enjoy it absolutely yeah they do they do yeah. great work over there so check that show out thank you uh our uh our podcast you can find uh, you're already listening to it so you have found it but you can find the rest of the information <laughs> about our podcast on the internet at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form that you can use to let us know what you think and you can let us you can suggest games to us that way you can also find us on twitter at rig that's my one uh at underscore short game uh and of course we are on uh patreon this show is supported by our listeners at patreon.com slash the short game uh, and every one of our patreon supporters even at just a dollar a month uh, gets instant access to our discord which is where we talk about the show we plan episodes so if you want to let us know what your favorite game boy games are or uh or let us know about uh I don't know. Maybe you want to really tell us you want an episode on the Atari Lynx. Uh, hop on our Discord. Or maybe you're from Rice School, Las Coyle Rice, and you want to know where to send a bill for the IT funds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to anyone who worked there in that era, I apologize. I, yeah, sorry. I, uh, we're, we're very sorry. I'm pretty sure the, uh, the statute of limitations is up. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was those were good times. Uh, so yes, you can find us on patreon.com slash the short game. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And Laura, where can people find you? On Twitter at Laura J. Nash. So my name's Jordan. You can follow me on Twitter at Jackal27. You can also follow my podcast at Pocketoid. And you can follow my personal CRT project at CRT Pixels on Twitter. If you'd like to know more about our podcast, you can find it at Pocketoidpodcast.com. Or you can just look us up wherever good podcasts are found. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Mm-hmm.